What's up? Welcome into the latest episode of the Irish Huddle Podcast. It's Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. I'm Patrick Engel, joined by Tyler Horka. Two Notre Dame beat writers at blueandgold.com. Irish Huddle is back after a little bit of a hiatus. It will be us two mainly going forward, but Tyler, how you doing, man? It's been a minute. Yeah, it has. I'm just glad that things have kind of settled down a little bit. It's funny. This was the first week where I was sitting there at my computer looking at the message board, and I'm like, it's actually kind of quiet. People aren't asking us who the tight ends coach is going to be, who the running backs coach is going to be. So kind of quiet, which is nice, but that means spring football is only a couple weeks away. So take this downtime when we can get it, but also obviously still some things to talk about too. Yeah, it was funny. I was going through the past like three, four days of threads that I missed while I was on a brief uh, ski vacation and thinking like, wow, I didn't miss as much as I thought just because you're so used to all these things in in conversation and of course, which is good after a coaching search that lasted two and a half months from first opening to last one being filled. But here we are, seven staff openings and fillings later, and Marcus Freeman has his inaugural Notre Dame coaching staff. Tyler, what are your just initial impressions now that this is all done, hired, and that we've had a chance to speak with all of them like we did last week? It's just pretty crazy how the narrative went from literally two months ago, maybe three months ago, I guess, getting close to that, where Marcus Freeman is named head coach. And the thought process was, look at all the guys that he retained. It's pretty much the same staff. He's keeping all these people from Brian Kelly's staff and Notre Dame isn't going to have to go through much turnover. Well, that obviously that wasn't the case because Chris O'Leary, the safeties coach, and Mike Mickens, the cornerbacks coach, of course, Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator, everybody knew he was staying in early December. But then Tommy Reese, his name gets floated out there in, in the rumor mill. I won't mention specific teams because who knows how valid those rumors were. But my takeaway is, holy cow, Marcus Freeman had way more than he thought he was going to have to do in terms of finding assistance and filling out a staff. And yeah, it took until mid-February, but if it's going to take until mid-February because you're waiting on your defensive player to finish coaching in the Super Bowl, I think that's a valid reason to wait until mid-February. Uh, all things considered, uh, it's a unique staff, I think. There's guys from all over the place, a lot of experience. Some guys have little experience, but the guys with the least amount of experience are kind of the most intriguing to me. And we'll get to some of those guys later in this podcast. But my overall takeaway is Marcus Freeman did about as well as you could have asked in terms of filling out this staff. And I think the general consensus is Notre Dame has a pretty good football staff going into Marcus Freeman's first year as head coach. Yeah, it is wild. Like that narrative you think of, you see all these assistant coaches tweeting that week of Kelly to Freeman transition, I'm staying, we're going to run it back, you know, all all of these, whatever cliche you want there. And fueling the idea of like, okay, one reason you hire Freeman, at least initially, is because of the continuity. And that would make more of a difference in 2022 than 2023 and beyond. And here we are, like, yeah, like you said, this was a lot more hiring work and probably a little bit more of a look at how Freeman wants to build this thing than you might have expected him to get in year one but a really really interesting collection of guys that I think my overall takeaway was just when you're reading everyone and where they came from and then when you get a chance to ask them about this is like people want to work 
for Freeman and believe in him even though no one really has any idea how this is going to go. He's a first-time head coach. He's 36, and he has this massive operation on his hands. Yet you have a lot of staff members who left comfortable jobs to want to hitch their career futures to him. And part of it, yeah, it's Notre Dame. Like, that's going to attract coaching talent no matter what because it pays, because of the recent success, because of if you do a good job as an assistant here, where you're likely to go, just look at the last three defensive coordinators. And then two of these openings were created because position coaches got coordinator jobs. And I think it kind of shows where every one of these seven guys has had prior position coaching experience at their respective new job. And sometimes, in some cases, like Al Walden, it had been a minute since he's a defensive coordinator, but he still came from the NFL, which he was honest in telling us. I was happy there. So I think, as like you pointed out, that still says something about, okay, getting people to leave comfortable spots to work for Marcus Freeman. Like D-Land McCullough, at, at this point, like, I don't know if you're going to find a more qualified running backs coach when you look at the resume. And he's not shy about his goal of wanting to be a head coach. But here he is coming to Notre Dame because he thinks that was the best place to fuel that opportunity for him. And thinking that working for Marcus Freeman was the same thing. Chancey Stuckey, a, a guy who's been a position coach for one year, but everyone thinks of as this giant, you know, rising star when you get to talk to him and tell you touch on him later with this really good story you did him kind of tying the the future there to Freeman as well and and it goes kind of both ways of some of these guys know Freeman because they work with him like Jared Parker or Al Washington others like McCullough and Stucky Head and Golden no prior overlaps on staff or much of a relationship with him at all but either way they all kind of got to that point so that's my takeaway as far as I, I think back to uh, the day that Freeman was introduced and Jack Sporbrick's holding court with myself and a few other reporters in a scrum afterwards. And I asked him, like, you know, what made you willing to overlook the inexperience or be less concerned about it? And he still said, like, oh, I am concerned because you never know how it's going to go. But I wouldn't have hired him if I didn't have all the confidence in the world. I'm thinking Jack Swarbrick right now looks at what Freeman did with this staff and thinks, yeah, this is why I made the move, even though, of course, we have no idea how it'll play out on the field, nor will we really get any kind of one until next December or January sometime. Yeah, and to your last point there, Jack Swarbrick took a chance on Marcus Freeman being that he's a first-time head coach. He's never done this before. There were going to be things that Marcus Freeman runs into that he's going to have to handle for the first time. He's experienced that pretty much every single day since he was named head coach in early December. But all of these assistants that you're talking about, I mean, Al Golden is 52 years old. He's coaching the NFL for six seasons. He was the head coach at Temple. He was the head coach at Miami. He's done pretty much everything you can do in coaching. And he's sitting there two days after the Super Bowl. Maybe, I mean, we don't know the backstory of all this, but it, it, the deal was probably in place just given the timeline and everything He's talking to us on Wednesday after coaching in the Super Bowl on Sunday. All of that said, something in him had to say, yeah, I'm having a Super Bowl type season with the Cincinnati Bengals, but I still want to go coach for Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame. You know, he's he's he was working for a lot of people at Cincinnati. He's still working for somebody at Mar at Notre Dame. And that's Marcus Freeman. Marcus Freeman is his boss, 52 years old versus 
what was it, 36? I think Marcus Freeman just turned 36, right? So there's something about Marcus Freeman that Al Golden had to say, I'm going to go work for him. And you mentioned Chancey Stuckey. He's only a couple years into this. The two guys that he's worked for, Dabo Sweeney, Dave Aranda. They have all of these accolades. They're very respected. Dave Aranda's pretty young, but he's a rising superstar. I mean, just won the Big 12 championship at Baylor. And Chancey Stuckey was a part of that. And Chancey Stuckey still says, I need to go coach wide receivers at Notre Dame. And like you said, part of that is, is Notre Dame. But Chancey Stuckey, if he stayed at Baylor and he has Dabo Sweeney on his resume, he could have been an offensive coordinator in the next five years somewhere, probably just because he's working with these two guys. He's probably saying, I can get to that point quicker if I go work for Marcus Freeman. Or maybe it's not, maybe that's not his end goal. I want to be an offensive coordinator. I want to be a head coach in 10 years. But he knows career path-wise, I go work for Marcus Freeman. I go work at Notre Dame. I'm going to do all the things that I want to do in this profession. And that just speaks exactly to your point where all of these guys are at Notre Dame. Yes, because it's Notre Dame. But Marcus Freeman, I mean, it, it's the same thing with recruits. I talked to Jalen Sneed. And I talked to Jalen Sneed's high school coach. Jalen Sneed, the top-rated recruit in the class of 2023, he's at Notre Dame because of Marcus Freeman. I think a lot of these assistants can say the exact same thing. Yeah, I think the two that are worth touching on, mainly, one, because he's the most recent in Golden, and two, Harry Heastan, just because of what he means to this place and, and this program from what it had done for part of the, the last 12 years here. And... Golden, we heard Freeman mention like he wanted head coaching experience in that role as a DC. And Golden, of course, brings that. And I think if you're a first-time head coach, especially a first-time head coach at a program like this, you definitely just wanted someone to like have a, all right, it's midnight, something's going wrong. We just took our first loss, whatever it was, or we just had a bad practice, just Go in there, lock the door, and figure it out with someone who's been there, someone who you can trust. And if nothing else, Golden, I think, will be that. But, of course, his hire is about much more than that. And I think it was interesting to hear him talk about like, and pretty passionately defend of, yeah, I'm not going to miss a beat as a recruiter. Or, no, it's not a big deal of taking a 17-year gap between defensive coordinator stints. And his, uh, his answer about the NFL being – it's problem solving. Really, that's what being a coordinator and a football coach is, right? Every week is a problem of trying to like, to stop something or solve something. And you spend that week in that game trying to figure out what that equation is that works. And like the NFL, like it's not this thing that's stuck in 2000 or that hasn't adapted college offenses in the way those are going in modern offensive trends. And he had a, fr a front row seat to all of that. He was involved in the Bengals defense and game planning and scouting and everything like that. Like that was one thing I, I wanted to ask him about and, and did and just what his involvement was in that. So it's, it's not like he was, all right, putting the guys through linebacker drills and all right, he's done. <laughs> no, this is, it's game planning in, in the NFL is a really collaborative uh, approach there. And, and he had a role in that and, and kind of a, an education in where offenses are going uh, in the NFL the last six years. And, and he stand like, we heard Tommy Reese talk about this, not only what he stand means to him and his relationship there, but also what Notre Dame lost and the staff lost in McNulty, in John McNulty, that is. Like Reese's kind of right-hand man who was next to him in the press box, who he could, like, he was, I guess, the closest thing to, you know, it. let's go lock a door and figure this out at midnight kind of guy. 
I think he stand kind of gives him that role and just like a, a role model or someone he'd worked with before, someone he trusts, even though, no, he doesn't have as much uh, offensive coordinator experience or recent coordinator experience that John McNulty did. But he's also got one of those guys on staff, a former coordinator, and Jared Parker, who left that job uh, to come to Notre Dame, going back to our point about guys leaving comfortable spots to come work at this on this staff for this head coach. Yeah, I definitely think Al Golden is going to be to Marcus Freeman what Harry Heast is going to be to Tommy Reese. And it's just so important to have that kind of symmetry on both sides of the ball and that you mentioned like the midnight conversations. That's going to be Golden and that's going to be Freeman. For Reese, it's going to be Heastand. And he, he talked about that in his breakout session last week where when things were going awry, when Brian Kelly first left Notre Dame, the first, one of the first pers- people that – Tommy Reese called was Harry Heastan and said, what do I do in this situation? And he also stuck um, in a little question where he said, Hey, are you done for good? Or would you consider coming back to college football? And Harry Heastan said, never say never. So Tommy Reese put that one in the memory bank. And then what a month later, he's making that call and saying, Hey, you should be Notre Dame's offensive line coach. The rest is history. But just getting back to golden and Heastan, they both have NFL experience, elder statesmen on either side of the ball. And Notre Dame kind of needed that. You made that point where Marcus Freeman is doing a lot of this for the first time. Al Golden has done this with, you know, varied degrees of success at Temple in Miami. But I just think those experiences are so vitally important because I mentioned that Freeman doing things for the first time. I mean, we're, this is still an off season. It's been three months of winter. I mean, spring ball starts soon. And especially once the season gets here, Marcus Freeman is going to have questions that he can ask Golden and say, hey, this just happened. What do I do? How do I respond to that? And that doesn't even have to be defense specific. That can be operational stuff. That can be uh, personnel stuff or just managing a, a coaching staff as well. So I think those guys are vitally important. Freeman uh, did a great job in bringing both of them on staff. And I think we're going to see that the he stand and golden hires are going to go a long way in just helping Freeman get through this first year as a head coach. Yeah, I think of Golden's presence not only as, like, help me when I'm facing adversity for the first time, but just help me navigate these new responsibilities I'm doing for the first time. Like you said, like, you know that uh, that Talladega Knights quote of Ricky Bobby, like, what do I do with my hands? Marcus, I'm sure, will find himself in the same spot of, like, what, what do I do here? And then, all right, he has Al Golden of, where do I go during this first practice and, and drills? Like, hey, I'm used to running drills. Now – now what? I've got to go around to all these positions and see all these different things. Like, Just to have someone like that to help him be organized, even if it's just in the first couple of weeks where he really uh, needs to get kind of a footing and just get comfortable in, in the new role, Like that's that's still valuable. And then the same thing with, with game prep. You, know, you get in the first game week, followed by another game week, where you only have a week to do this, and time becomes that much more valuable, of course. Just having someone, oh, hey, what should I prioritize here with you know, these 10 things we have to do on a certain Tuesday and in, in, of game week here. And who are those guys going to be, uh, I guess, a month ago? It's, it's been about a month since Mike Elston left, right? Those guys were going to be Mike Elston, John McNulty. Those guys are gone now. One's at Michigan, one's at Boston College. So Al Golden kind of fills that gap. And I know he stand was here before that, but just in terms of having guys that have gone through this over and over and over again, McNulty and Elston were those guys and they left. So I think at that point, 
Notre Dame fans were like, oh, man, that's the point during this whole coaching carousel fiasco, whatever you want to call it. It was almost like a circus in and out, just all this movement round and around and around. At that point, when Elston and McNulty left pretty close there and and Lance Taylor was kind of grouped in with those guys as well. It was, oh, man, what are we going to do now? You get Al Golden, you get some of these other guys, Chancey Stuckey, Rising Star, all of, all of these guys. I think the, the fan base kind of settled down and said, okay, we have a good staff. Now it's just it's time to play good football. Well, speaking of Chancey Stuckey, let's go into him a little bit more because you wrote a really, really insightful story on how he got into coaching and how he got to Notre Dame. We're going to touch on that in a little bit, but first we're going to bring you an interview with one of our new sponsors who's launching a – Really neat venture that includes some Notre Dame names that you'll recognize uh, and that we'll have on here in the coming weeks that I think you guys are going to want to hear about. We're joined by Rob Connolly, the co-founder and CEO of one of our sponsors, Meet Leet. Rob, we appreciate you coming on with us today. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me so much. Appreciate it. So Rob is the, the co-founder and CEO of Meet Leet, and it's Meet L-E-T-E, that's the spelling of it. And I will leave it to you, Rob, to explain what your company does and and kind of where it's gone so far in its nascent stages. It's it's a really cool idea here that that you guys have gotten to develop. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, so Meatleet is a uh, startup based here in San Diego that gives fans the opportunity to actually spend four minutes with their favorite athletes on a video call. Uh, it gives fans a chance to, you know, talk to someone like Kayvon Coney or, you know, Malik Zaire and, you know, ask them about, you know, what their experience was playing for Notre Dame or what was their, you know, favorite moment or just to get to know these athletes on a, on a personal level. And I think, Rob, one of the more interesting questions with that is we live in an era in a society today where things are gone in an instant, you know, Snapchat, you see it once and then it's gone. But with Meatly, this might be something that people want to hang on to. Is there a way for fans to keep the recording of the conversation that they had with some of their favorite players? Yeah, great question, Tyler. So, yeah, after the call, um, the athlete's able to share that recording with the fan. So that way the fan can share their experience they had where they're able to say, like, you know, look at this awesome conversation I have with Gabriel Rubio or Tory Hunter Jr. Um, and they can share these special moments that they had with, you know, their friends and family. So you, you touched on a couple of uh, current and former Notre Dame players. Uh, in addition to those guys, who else from Notre Dame past or present uh, has gotten involved with Meatly so far? Yeah, we have like Reggie Brooks, uh, Nana Asapo Mensa, Howard Cross III, uh, Torrey Hunter Jr., Malik Zaire, uh, Tavon Coney, and others. Obviously, Notre Dame, the, the football schedule for the Fighting Irish is really unique and interesting every single year. This year, Notre Dame plays BYU in Las Vegas. Curious if there's anything that Meatly has done to kind of uh, – you know, promote that game and get fans engaged with that uh, awesome experience down in Las Vegas. Yeah, so that's great. So this uh, this month, what we're going to do is we're giving um, all the BGI um, fans a coupon code for 50% off any one of these meat leads with a coupon code BGI50. And we're going to select one fan and give them two tickets to the Notre Dame BYU game in Las Vegas next year. Wow. 
And so not, not only do you get to see Notre Dame's first game ever in the state of Nevada, go to Vegas and, you know, get to, to do the four minute call with a Notre Dame player of your choosing. Uh, one more time, you can read the, the code here for our listeners. Yeah, BGI 50. So I guess the natural follow up to that is how do fans get on uh, Meet Leap and, and get the app and, and download it? Yep. So we are on the um, Apple store, iOS store. So you have to go to your um, iPhone, go to the app store and download Meet Leap, which is spelled M-E-E-T-L-E-T-E. It's like Meet Athlete, Meet Leap. And Rob, we understand that, you know, this didn't just come out of thin air. You are a Notre Dame fan yourself and you wanted to combine two of your passions, obviously, coming up with this great uh, app and this, this great organization, but you also want to, you know, get some Notre Dame ties in there as well. So kind of what's your background in being a Notre Dame fan and uh, how did this all come about with that in mind with blue and gold at top of mind? Yeah. So, you know, my family, we've been subscribers of, you know, the blue and gold uh, illustrated for as long as I've been a little kid. So we used to get the magazines back in the day and we, you know, couldn't wait to get the, uh, the paper and read all the, you know, updating Notre Dame information. Uh, I've watched every single Notre Dame game since 1988 with my dad. I mean, we've, we've been through some amazing moments and some sad moments, but we, uh, we love the fighting Irish. We're, we're huge Notre Dame fans. And the fact that we can give Notre Dame fans like myself the opportunity to, you know, meet their favorite players from past or present, you know, like Reggie Brooks, and talk to them about the Snow Bowl. Um, it's just really a uh, fulfilling, you know, uh, business that we have is giving fans these opportunities. So, Rob, being a Notre Dame fan and, and still an avid follower, what are your impressions of, of Marcus Freeman and the expectations for year one of the Freeman era? Yeah, I mean, I, I've never seen uh, a team rally around a coach uh, like I've seen with with Marcus Freeman. I mean, it, it's truly incredible how fired up this team is to play for Marcus Freeman. And uh, I just cannot wait to see what the future holds uh, for this team. Uh, you know, the recruiting has been incredible. Uh, I think we have uh, the perfect coach for Notre Dame. So really excited about that. Robert, appreciate you joining us today. And you know, one more time, tell the folks how to find Meatly. Yeah, go ahead and uh, open up your iPhone to so the App Store. Uh, look up Meatly, which is M-E-E-T-L-E-T-E. -E -E. Uh, you can download the app, uh, search through our talent, use coupon code BGI50, and you'll save 50% off any Notre Dame player on our app. Well, Rob, thank you again. And, and it sounds like an exciting new adventure you got going here. Thank you so much. Go Irish. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. 
You got this. Adidas. A really, really interesting venture from Rob Connolly there in Meat Leap. But let's get back to Chancey Stuckey. Ty, you wrote a pretty lengthy and, and really good story detailing his, I guess, coaching life and pre-coaching life. So I'll kind of give you the floor there to just what did you learn and and what should Notre Dame fans know about, I would say, the hire that maybe angst is too strong a word, but at least kind of piqued their curiosity the most, given that he'd only been a position coach for a year, been in this industry uh, for three years, and yet still anyone you talk to and that you did talk to, you hear the same glowing praise about this guy. It's And it's really interesting the kind of that it backs up of, all right, one day the receivers coach situation is Jamarcus Shepard and Holman Wiggins, kind of those names, then what, the day of or the day before, you hear it's reported that Stucky's going to interview. End of that day, the interview, he's got the job. So tell us what you learned about Chancey Stucky in the time you spoke with some old colleagues and in the good amount of time you got to spend around him when we got all the assistance last week. Yeah, I think the most reassuring short answer I can give is Chancey Stuckey, even though he's a couple years older than Marcus Freeman, is basically a mini Marcus Freeman just in the way he operates, his goals in this business, in this profession. Look, he's he's one of the most selfless guys I've ever talked to since I've been doing this. And I know I'm pretty young and you and I have been doing this around the same time, but we've talked to a lot of people, a lot of coaches. Just Just look at what's gone on and what we've talked about in the last 20 or 30 minutes in terms of Notre Dame's coaching staff. You know, these are guys that we all talk to, we're around, we know how they operate. Chancey Stuckey is one of the most selfless guys I've talked to. He's he's in this because he wants to help kids. And I know that's cliche, but he was in the ministry th- three years ago. You know, when he got into coaching, he was literally trying to become a pastor. He was well on his way to doing that too. Everything that he was doing in the ministry in Los Angeles, I've heard, you know, he was doing great things there. And he was, that. that's what people thought Chancey Stuckey was going to be. He wanted to help people. That's the way that he was going to help people. But just so happened that his alma mater, Clemson, was in the national title game in California uh, around that time, three years ago. They were playing Alabama out in Sa- Santa Clara, which why was the national championship game in Santa Clara, California? I have no idea. Didn't help that the, the two teams playing were both Southern teams from across the country. But I digress. Chancey Stuckey went to Clemson, was a two-time All-ACC wide receiver there in the mid-2000s. Dabo Sweeney just so happened to be his position coach. Uh, one of his good friends and a teammate, Jock McKissick, who's an actor in L.A., actually. Look him up on IMDb. He's been in a lot of stuff. He's he's on the rise in that profession. And Chancey Stuckey actually dabbled in acting while he was in L.A. as well. But he always felt like there was something missing. And he went to this game with Jock McKissick. And, you know, being former Clemson players, being that Dabo Sweeney was one of their coaches back in the day, they're in around all of these team meetings and the team meals. And they're getting to go all, to all of these Clemson pre-national championship game activities that, you know, us, the, even the media and, and definitely, you know, common fans don't get to see. And Chance Kentucky was just, wow, he was blown away. He said, this is how I can help kids. This is how I can help people reach their goals. It doesn't have to be through the church. Dabo Sweeney told him the same thing and said, hey, give me a call. Maybe I got something for you. It turned out to be a video GA assistant uh, position. And Chancey Stuckey was like, I'll take it. Dabble Sweeney thought he wasn't going to take it. 
three years later, he's the wide receivers coach at Notre Dame, which, by the way, is a position that Dabo Sweeney wanted way back in 2001 when he was let go from the staff at Alabama, his alma mater. He was trying to stay in the business, get work anywhere, wanted to work at Notre Dame. Didn't happen. I think it's worked out for Dabo Sweeney, but the moral of the story is I think Dabo or Chancey Stuckey is on a, a Dabo Sweeney type trajectory, just way, way, way um, in terms of years way back from that and, and and that he's only been in this for three years and all of these people are saying great things about him uh Dabo Sweeney said he's the most selfless guy that he's ever worked with he's a I think he called him a rocket ship in this profession and in, in terms of he's just bound to do great things Tony Elliott the Virginia head coach longtime Clemson assistant offensive coordinator there said the same things about Chancey Stuckey he said I never thought that Chancey would get into coaching because there was always just so much more for him to do in terms of the ministry and Chancey Stuckey was an actor. He wanted to do all of these things out in LA, but here he is now as a college football head coach. Jock McKissick is the one that said, this is what he was bound to do. I, I saw it way back when he was a player. I see it now. So everyone at Notre Dame, Notre Dame fans who thought, yeah, Chancey Stuckey, who is this guy? He's only been a college coach for three years. Two of those, he wasn't even a full-time on-field assistant at Clemson. Like, how is he the wide receivers coach at Notre Dame? Talk to Dabo Sweeney. Talk to Tony Elliott. Talk to Jock McKissick. All of those guys will tell you he cares so much about what he's doing. And I think the people-person aspect, just the fact that he wants to help people so much, that's where the mini Marcus Freeman thing comes in. He's going to be an excellent recruiter. Our colleague, our coworker, Mike Singer, has already written a story that says, hey, this guy's been working his tail off on the recruiting trail already. I think Notre Dame wide receivers room is going to be revitalized by Chancey Stuckey. One, because he's such a great people person. That's going to lead to recruits. And two, if Dabo Sweeney says you're a rocket ship in the coaching profession, probably going to listen to Dabo Sweeney and say he's, he's onto something there. And uh, so Chancey Stuckey, anyone who, who had second thoughts about Chancey Stuckey, your second thoughts should be, okay, Notre Dame did the right thing in hiring him. Yeah, what struck me is like the conviction with which all of those guys you talked to spoke about Chancey, like zero, zero doubt. And look, every time that you know you have a new coaching staff or a new head coach and you know you call former colleagues and teammates and friends and whatnot just to figure out who this guy is, like that's common practice yeah they'll say good things it's rare that you'll find someone like trash them at least on the record uh but this kind of level of of unanimous confidence i guess is the right term is you don't hear that every day when you just go into these background work stories on on these who these coaches are so that struck me and yeah i think like i had briefly touched on he's kind of the hire that all right, this will tell us a little bit about like Marcus Freeman's eye for coaching talent and that Stucky's been in this for three years. He had one year as a position coach, period, and at the position that he's uh, filling now. So it, it's a little bit more of a, a wild card, but obviously something struck him, Freeman in that interview to go from, I'm giving you the job right now, you're not walking out of here without it. So I, I think that kind of speaks to the impression that uh, he made on all the, the people you talk to and meaningful people you talk to uh, that he's kind of able to show show Freeman in the hour, two hours, whatever it was they spent together on this Wednesday in, in early mid-January, <laughs> I think it was. But yeah, this I, I think is the one where we'll be able to say in a couple of years, depending on where Notre Dame's receivers are at, 
or where Stucky's next job is from here. I'm like, all right. I think you feel pretty good about Freeman making staff hires that are perceived more as gambles because, and again, we talked about it at like at the top for good reason that people want to work for him, but I don't think you needed a genius to identify Dylan McCullough as a top flight running backs coach in terms of resume or Harry he stand to, to or a genius to identify Harry he stand as maybe the best offensive line coach out there. Freeman had seen Brian Mason work special teams in their years at Cincinnati together. He'd had that job uh, for four years, I believe it was. Uh, yeah, 2018 to 21 at Cincy. Uh, Jared Parker, he's coached tight ends before on the same staff as, as Freeman. Al Washington, coach D-line on the same staff as Freeman, worked at some really big-time uh, programs as an assistant. So it's less about, hey, that guy's obviously a good coach because of his resume than I got to get convince him to come work for me than it is Freeman. I believe that this guy is going somewhere. I think Stucky's unique in that regard, and obviously we'll see how it plays out. But uh, really struck in, in a good way by uh, that story you did and kind of what that said about Stucky. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say about it is that you say all those things about Marcus Freeman coming to the consensus that I need Chancey Stucky on my staff. On my staff. Tommy Reese kind of came to the same conclusion too. And they came to it about it at the same time. I'm sure it was concurrent. Maybe even when they were looking, they both might've landed on Stucky and said, let's give this guy a shot. But Reese had the opportunity to talk to him first. And he turned him over to Freeman and said, that's my guy. Well, and then Freeman was like, well, let me make sure it's your guy. They came away thinking the same thing. I think that same page mentality was huge. And look, they're on the same page as like we said, as Dabo Sweeney, as Tony Elliott, Dave Aranda, obviously, when when Dave Aranda went calling Dabo Sweeney and Sweeney told me this, he said, hey, do you, do you know anybody in the profession who might be a good wide receivers coach? Dabo Sweeney was like, I got a guy right now. He's, he's not the typical guy that's been in this for a while and has you know taken the natural progression of things, but he's going to shoot up in this industry and, and you can have him. I want you to have him because, you know, he's going to do all these great things in coaching. So I don't think Chancey Stuckey in that moment ever thought he would be at Baylor. And now I don't think he ever thought he'd be at Notre Dame. But like we said, everything that everyone has said about this guy is great. So it would be a colossal flop if the Notre Dame wide receivers weren't better. Uh, and look, the cupboard's not very full right now. So so give him some time, maybe give him a year. But in a year and a half, if we're not talking about the Notre Dame wide receivers being vastly improved from where they stand right now, February 2022, then yeah. Maybe the Stucky hire wasn't it, but I don't think anybody is thinking that's going to be the case. No, and the last thing I'll add on on that and the staff as a whole is, yeah, the inexperience is it's it's a thing to bring up at least. And at the time, like I understood, you know, some of the yeah again angst maybe isn't the right word, but like mild concern, I guess, just because all right, it's a gamble based on just what's on the resume. But he does have a somewhat unique perspective as a not just a former wide receiver but a guy who was drafted played at a big time program spent three years in the nfl not in you know meaningless roles where he barely saw the field like i think that's that lends itself to some credibility of kids want to know what that next step is like your players want to know how to get there and what life is like there he can bring them that and i think he's one of a handful of guys that can either bring that kind of perspective of what d McCullough called it an expert at your position 
or just you know you spend so much time around this position that people are just naturally going to respect you where like McCullough yeah he called himself I, I pride myself on being an expert at coaching running backs and if the resume kind of backs it up in a sense if he left Miami Ohio as its all-time leading rusher he's lived that life he spent a little time in the NFL uh, before a, a knee injury cut short that but he still played a little bit in the CFL and he's been a running backs coach for just completed year 11 I believe it was at, at coaching running backs like that's a, at those small programs it's Indiana USC the Kansas City Chiefs Indiana again and now Notre Dame Harry Heastan, that resume as an offensive line coach speaks for itself. Tommy Reese, like he's lived his QB's lives. He knows like, probably better than anyone who could get that job, what they're going through there. And even Freeman, in a way, he's lived all of his players' lives as a former big-time recruit at a big-time program, understanding what they're going through. And Al Washington, similar deal. He was a starting defensive tackle at a Power 5 school, Boston College. Like, again, he can knows the position and, and what it takes to play the position at that level and having done it. And I think all of those things are maybe a, a credibility that's there, even if the resume, especially in Stucky's case, isn't quite uh, as lengthy as, say, some other receivers coaches that Notre Dame targeted or maybe fans would have won here. But that that's my last thought on, on the staff. Just a lot of guys who have that player perspective in a sense of, I played this position I played it maybe in the NFL. That just giving you a little bit more, say, yeah, credibility for, all right, I can make you successful here and develop you at this spot because I know what it takes having played it myself. Yeah, and I think that's what Freeman was looking for. So the last thing I'll say on the staff is he was looking for guys that can say, I know what it's like to be where you're at. And I know what it's like to try to get you where you want to be. Maybe not all of these guys like Marcus Freeman, you know, he would have loved to have a longer NFL career, but if not for a heart problem, maybe he was on track for that. And, and Chancey Stuckey, we, we spent 10 minutes talking about him and it, you know, didn't even dawn on me to bring up his NFL experience. You finally bring up his NFL experience. You know, the guy caught touchdowns in national football league games and over a thousand yards in his career. And all these teams took chances on him because they thought he was, a, you know, a, not just a good receiver, but from a special teams standpoint and just, being in a locker room, people wanted Chancey Stuckey on their football team. So I think that is huge. And uh, Al Golden's perspective, uh, I think I wrote a story earlier this week where uh, the first thing that he did when he got to Notre Dame last week was go into the locker room and say, hey, yeah, we're at Notre Dame and there's no place like it. I got chills driving up here and I just coached in the Super Bowl the other day. But if you want to get to the NFL, come talk to me because I know that's what your goal is. And, you know, that's in, in a sense, that's why you're here. This is – Notre Dame is an end goal for a lot of people, but for most that end up actually going to Notre Dame and playing football there, they're trying to get to the next level. And, and there's guys on this staff that have a vision of how to get them there. And Marcus Freeman saw that in all of these guys. And he saw that, you know, these are the guys that are going to help. But when you take a player that, you know, enrolls at Notre Dame and is going to play three, four years at Notre Dame, and they have aspirations of getting to the NFL, if they actually get to the NFL, that ends up helping Notre Dame, not just on the field, but in terms of future recruiting as well. When you think of all of these aspects, you know, these guys are going to help every single little part of the vision that Marcus Freeman has for Notre Dame. And he wasn't going to hire anybody that didn't have that vision. I can tell you that. Well, we'll get to see him in action here a little bit under a month now with, uh, with spring practice, kind of see the rubber hit the road here for the first time 
uh, with this new staff in, in the Freeman era. But we'll be talking to you every week uh, until then and really through spring practice. We'll talk to you again next week, uh, Mondays. That's when you can look for new episodes of the Irish Huddle in most weeks. Until then, take care.